Jesus honors scripture. We're people of scripture. You heard about Veritas. You heard about 242. Like we're always gathering around the Bible and there's reasons for that. And a preeminent reason is this. Jesus was into scripture. And I want you to see that in today's passage. So I've noticed this about God's people, especially here in the United States of America. God's people, once they start gathering, they eventually want a building. Now, we, we say these things, you know, preachers, we, we start adopting this language and we, we kind of adopt these phrases. And I've said this before. I probably said it in the last month or, so, or something. I said, you know, the church is not a building. And that is true. But church people like buildings. They do. I mean, you watch, you watch anyone, they start gathering in a home. It's like, this is so refreshing to gather in a home. And then about three months later, they're like, we need to lease something, you know. We need to go somewhere. So if you follow uh, God's people, as they left Egypt, they had the tabernacle. I mean, he, he told them specifically, I want you to have a place for my presence. We're going to set up this tent. It's going to be portable. And, and there's all types of measurements God gave. And there's a specific place for the Holy of Holies. And then we know under Solomon, the temple was established. And this was a very specific building, a specific size with, with um, specifications that God wanted uh, at a particular place in Jerusalem. Then when the Jews were dispersed and Jews went all over the world as they are today, all over the world, there are synagogues. And synagogues are, it's not the temple, it's not the place uh, the, where the presence of God was in a specific place, but it was a place for people to, to learn about God and like to go to a specific place and say, hey, we are going to hear God's word read together and we're, we're going to hear God's word together. About 17 years ago, a group of people uh, took 17 acres and, and put a building on it it was called then the Hope Center, and that's the building many of you are sitting in right now. And for those of you who are watching, it's where we're broadcasting the service from. And a lot of people who don't attend church here anymore put a lot of money so you could sit in this building today. I'm saying all of this is that let's not take for granted a couple of things. That there's something within us that says, like, we want to get together. And, and, and you know, it's, it's great. I, I've... A lot of my ministry, I was part of churches that met in temporal facilities and places we had to set up, and those were great. I mean, God can move anywhere. He does move anywhere, but we're so grateful to have this place together, and we, we gather together, and we hear God's word together, and you're going to see here, that's what Jesus did. Jesus, this was very important to him. Um, we talked about the baptism of Jesus a couple of weeks ago. And after the baptism of Jesus, Jesus went straight to the wilderness. And, and he, he was, that's what happens sometimes. You get the Holy Spirit and then you go to the wilderness. It just happens that way sometimes. And then when he came back from the wilderness, this is where we're going to pick up the passage today. And I want to make my first point before we read the, the passage. Scripture is emphasized at a place. And it's true that the Bible can be read anywhere. It's on our phones now. It's pretty cool. We carry the Bible with us. The Bible is on a satellite that's going around the world right now. That's pretty cool. Um, but there, there's just places that we meet and say, okay, th this is a place where we're going to hear the word together. Uh, and we're, we're going to study the word together. And, and Jesus did the same thing. Baptism to wilderness. Now let's pick up the story in Luke chapter four, starting with verse 14. 
Then Jesus, this is after the temptation in the wilderness, returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. And as you read the book of Luke, that's something Luke emphasizes. He emphasizes the Holy Spirit's power in the ministry of Jesus. Back to the text. And news about him spread throughout the entire vicinity. Now look at this. He was teaching in their synagogues. Jesus went to those places where the word was taught, being praised, for, from being praised by everyone. Verse 16, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. Here's a key phrase. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. Now this passage, it's the oldest account of like an order of worship. So you know, most churches, we all have this order of worship as kind of churches like us, non-denominational churches, we typically, typically go like happy song, happy song, sad song, sad song, shake hands, hear the sermon, communion. And, and there's some variation of that all the time. Uh, and th- that's, that's a rhythm we have and there's purpose behind that. It's not just habit. We enter with praise. We go into the intercourts. We hear the word. We end with the sacraments. But in this time, we, we, we have the oldest account of like what people did at the synagogue. And it was very important that they would read from both the prophets and the law. So they, they would read the law and then they would read from the prophets. And what's interesting you see in this account is that, that Jesus had good habits. And, and I, I want you to be encouraged in that. That when we, we have good habits good things happen. And there's something in our hearts, and I want you to hear this, why God's people, ever since the exodus from Egypt, with the temple, with synagogues all over the world, and now here we are in this wilderness known as Tennessee that's been developed these last 200 years, and we're at this place, and God says, this is a place where you're gonna gather and good things are gonna happen there. Can God move anywhere? Of course he can. He's omnipresent, which means God's presence is everywhere. It's not contained to a building. It's not contained to a location. But I want you to see here that Jesus had a custom that on his Sabbath, he he went to the place where the scripture was proclaimed and the scripture was, was declared. Now, one of the greatest quotes of the 20th century And it is of the 20th century because it's always, always attributed to Aristotle, but it wasn't Aristotle. Actually, this quote came from 1926 from a guy named Will Durant, and I don't know a lot about him, but I've always loved this quote. Always thought it was Aristotle, but here it is. We are what we repeatedly do. Excellence, then, is not an act, but a habit. So you've probably heard that somewhere along your your developmental journey. And it's so true. It's just such a defining quote and phrase. And I see this in the life of Jesus. And this leads me to my second point. Scripture was read. This is why Jesus valued scripture. Scripture was read in a system. Scripture was read in a system. Now we're gonna go back to verse 16. So you can see this again. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And this phrase is so powerful. As usual, he entered the synagogue on the Sabbath day. 
And, and he stood up to read. That was their custom. We're going to stand and we're going to read the word of God. And now, verse 17, the scroll, the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And unrolling the scroll, he found the place where it was written. And we'll get to that part in a few moments, but I want you to think about what happened here in verse 16 and verse 17. Jesus showed up on a regular basis to the public place of worship to hear and receive the word of God. And in his day, there wasn't really these nice leather Bibles where all 66 books of the Bible were contained in this nice little thing we carry around. And even now, I see more than half of you looking at your phones right now and we're carrying it around on our phones. And so there are 39 books in the Old Testament. And on that particular day, on that particular Sabbath, Jesus showed up somewhere and it just so happened that the ruler of the synagogue said, here's your scroll for the day. This is where we're at. Now we know this, that these, these are not accidents. That, that these things happen because God is sovereignly working. So Jesus takes this specific scroll Isaiah was given to him. I mean, it could have been Jeremiah. It could have been Obadiah. It could have been a lot of the different prophets. But it was that particular day after Jesus had come out of the wilderness, it was Isaiah. And, and he opened the scroll and he found something that lets you know he was a scholar. He knew where the scripture was. And he turned to what we now call Isaiah 61. It wasn't called Isaiah 61 then because they didn't have the numbering system then. That's something we've added later to kind of save time so we can, find, we can find the scripture. But he knew where it was in the scroll because he was a scholar. And he knew where to find it. And so here's a pattern, a usual place, a Sabbath, a presentation of the scripture systematically. He had good communal habits. And if it benefited Jesus, does it not benefit us too? I, I want to speak to you and encourage you on the communal habits that you're making to show up. Because this is what I found out. I found out this, that when I keep showing up at the places God's called me to show up, I find out that he speaks to me in unusual times and unusual places. I mean, it kind of works this way for me. Maybe it's like, good sermon, good sermon, good sermon. Oh, that was for me. Not that the first three weren't for me, but the fourth one, that was really for me. I can listen to a 45-minute sermon, as I did earlier this week at a conference, and there was one sentence in a 45-minute sermon that was for me right now in my life at the age that I'm at. You see, showing up where God's called you to be with the people he's called you to be, with the system he's called you to be in, at the place he's called you to be, is part of how God continually speaks fresh words in your life. Some of you are just playing, trying to make deals with God. God, you better show up today as if you're so important that God has to do it for you. And God says, no, here is the pattern of living that I've set out for you. And as you walk in that pattern, watch how I show up in unexpected times, in unexpected places. It's a regular, it's a regular habit, but it's an irregular appearing that he speaks through people you don't even expect to speak. And so Jesus did that. And so should we. That's one of the reasons I want to encourage you guys. I talked to you about like Bible reading 
at the beginning of this year. And I told you, all your New Year resolutions, just wait till about January 15th to really start them, you know, because uh, the first 14 days of January, it's just, uh, it's just unrealistic expectations anyway. So now here we are on January 30th, and it's a great time to start reading your Bible. Hey, if you've blown it on your Bible reading system, awesome, awesome, because you can start over today. And so as you, there's all kinds of systems and we won't talk about that, but uh, all of the different options there are. But one of those options you can find when you leave today is the five by five by five reading plan. It's just a way to read the New Testament in a year. So if you start today by January 30th of 2023, you would have read the New Testament in a year. You can find that on, on your U version. Then there's all kinds of systems, and I trust me, Deborah would love to help you with it. Jacob would love to help you with it. Uh, any, any church leader would love to help you find a system where like you're regularly feeding yourself from the Word of God. You know, one of the ancient documents that I love, well, it's not that ancient, it's about, it, it's about 250 years old now. It is our Declaration of Independence. Just, it, we, we are so familiar with the Declaration of Independence that we have forgotten how remarkable it was. And, and you know these words, and the words start out like this. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among them are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These are some of the most powerful words that are not scripture, but have been written. And they've really defined us as a people. And on that day, the reason that the, the Declaration of Independence was given was to declare independence. So it meant something that day. The day it was read, it was telling King George, hey, the colonies were no longer part of England. We are our own thing now. And, and here's the reason why, because we hold these truths to be self-evident. But Guys, you know this is that we're still working out the phraseology. We're still finding out what that means. And it's not a law, it's not the Constitution, but it's a guiding principle for us as Americans. And there's something powerful about this statement. On July 4th, 1776, it meant something applicable that day. But it wasn't just for that day, it has been for every day since then. And so we're, we're, we, we quote it and we, we, we use it as a standard. And we say, we're not living up to that standard. And so much of our history, we've not lived up to that standard. But we're still saying we're moving forward so that standard becomes true. It's a present declaration on July 4th, 1776. But it was a guiding principle into the future. Here's my third point of why Jesus, we see from this passage, values scripture. Is that scripture was foretelling the future. So now Jesus goes back hundreds of years and he was given a specific scroll. He found a very specific place in this scroll. He had that scroll because he had good habits, but he found now this scripture because he was a scholar himself and of course he was God himself. And he reads what we call now Isaiah chapter 61, verse one and two, but we're gonna read it out of Luke 4, 18 and 19, just following the text. And here's what it said. Jesus read this. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was, this was a 
statement that people had anticipated, like someday our Messiah, our deliverer, the one who gives us a identity as a people, the promise of Abraham, the promise in the line of David, there's someone coming. And when the people would read Isaiah 61, they would imagine this Messiah and, and still to this day, Jews who don't believe Jesus is in Messiah would still believe that. Jesus, under the sovereignty of God, practicing good habits, knowing the scripture, specifically chose to read this scripture for a reason. And he did it because new revelation was coming. Guys, we're always finding, finding out more about the Lord through his ancient scriptures. It's like we get new understanding and new revelation. His scripture, like the more we study it, the more we learn, the more depth there is, the more there is to know. That's why our New Testament reading today is out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. It says it this way, for we now see only reflection as in a mirror. But then face to face, now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. This is talking about our future with God. You think you know everything about God right now? Hey, that's that's not true. That's not true. There's so much more to learn. I even think that like in heaven, we're going to be learning for all eternity. Like we're going to be, you know, as the old song says, 10,000 years praising God. We've just started, I mean, a million years into praising God and he has so much depth and there's so much about him. We'll never be an expert on God. We'll never master God. He has, he has so much depth to his holiness and righteousness. We will actually spend all eternity learning about God. And, and we, we, it'll be beautiful, and there will be more to that. And so we see kind of this progression in Scripture. Isaiah 61, they kind of knew what was going to happen. They're like, yeah, something better. someone's coming, and he's a better leader. He's a leader who cares about the poor. He's a leader who cares about the blind. He's a leader who cares about those in captives. I can't wait till that day. This is the anticipation that the people had. Jesus read this Scripture, and, and, and he read it on that day at a specific time for a real reason. Have you ever looked at a job description and you thought, you know, this, this is not just describing a job, this is describing a person. You know, it's like, this is not a job description, this is a person. I think about Aubrey up here, our worship leader. Like he was born to be a worship leader. I mean, he just, that guy, I mean, he sings new songs that are really popular. Uh, he sings songs that he writes. And then he, he just throws us off and he'll like sing this song we're in worship. And I'm like, I haven't heard that song since I was 10 years old. Where did that come from? I mean, the guy just can lead worship, new songs, old songs, songs he wrote, songs on the radio. I've seen him lead worship everywhere. When he was in high school, John McKenzie and, and I said, come on, man, it's time to start leading worship. So I've seen him lead in church. I've seen him lead uh, at a subway platform. Uh, one time we were in Berlin in 2014, we were in Berlin together and we had like, you don't say that every day, do you? But uh, we had a couple of hours before we went to do ministry. And, and so we said, okay, we got a couple of hours. You can walk around and do what you want. So I was walking around and I see Aubrey, on the street corner of Berlin with his guitar, just like singing and like people are walking by. I don't know if they were giving you a tip or what, but uh, he was just, uh, that was kind of part of the culture there. So like, he's just, he's just kind of born to do this kind of stuff. You just see Aubrey and you think he should be a worship leader. Deborah, man, she was born to teach. Uh, one time, uh, Deborah is one of our, our, our pastors here in the front row. She's a great teacher. She's leading our Veritas ministry. One time uh, we had a meeting with a pastor that had never met her before. And, and um, he, she said hi to him, and they, 
They talked maybe 20 seconds. And as the meeting went on, he looked at her and he said, now you're a teacher. So afterwards, I'm like, how did he know Deborah was a great teacher? He said, you can just tell. You can just tell. And it's true. You can just tell. She was just born to teach, you know? Just, she, she just does it. My, my daughter is 21 years old. She's finishing up college. And she's been an RA for a couple of years. And RA means you're the college student who, who watches the hallway. And she's a little frustrated, a little tired of doing it. Hopefully her boss isn't for some odd reason watching the sermon. I mean, that would be really unlikely, but hey, that's part of preaching in the 9 a.m. service now, man. 1045 service, I'm off the rails, guys, because it's not on video anymore. So you guys get the polished version of me. So, so, you know, she's a little bit frustrated, but I tell her, you know, she only has three more months of this. But I'm like, Abby, you were born to be an RA. Because when she was five years old, she was already like motherly. Like she was being a mother to me and Beth, like keeping us in line. Like you guys get serious, you know. She just, she just kind of knows how to take care of people. She's been taking care of me since she's five years old. I'm like, you're born to be an RA. It's just what you do. So there's sometimes jobs that you do and jobs that you are. I mean, I've had those jobs too. I'm like, okay, I, I, I can do that. I'll, I'll, I'll follow the list. You give me the money. And then there's other things that I'm like, that's just me. It doesn't even feel like work. I'm just stepping into what I'm trying to do. And so there's a difference there. Jesus here reads a job description out of Isaiah 61. And then he says, hey, this is my job. He says, this, this is a description, but this is not something I'm going to do. This is who I am. And that leads to the last point today. Scripture is fulfilled in a person. That's why Jesus loves Scripture, because he is the Word of God. He personifies scripture. It's not that Jesus just likes the Bible. Jesus is the result of the Bible. Jesus is the word of God. We learn that from John chapter one. And so he reads that passage from Isaiah 61. Now let's go to verse 19. And I love this. This is what we now call a drop the mic moment. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began by saying to them, began his teaching, today as you listen, the scripture has been fulfilled. Boom. All right? That's who I am. It's not what I'm going to do. It's who I am. It's not something I'm going to follow. It's the essence of what God the God that I am is, is giving to the world. This is what Jesus did. Another version says, it, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, this is me. Uh, this is not, I'm not being ambiguous. I I'm, I'm showed up at the synagogue and he handed me Isaiah and I knew where to go and I knew what to read. And now I'm sitting down and I'm going to teach and say that the thing you just heard is personified in me. Jesus used this scripture to announce his kingdom. The kingdom of God started with Jesus and we're in the kingdom now. We have a taste of it. We have an understanding of it. We have a first fruit of it, but there's more ahead of us. When Jesus came as God in flesh, fully God and fully man, he changed everything and we're living in that change right now. We're partnering with him to bring that change to the world and we're not partnering as equal partners, but as submissive to his power and his authority. And here's the, the, the good news today. 
We're not waiting for something as much as we're stepping into what's already there. We're we're stepping in and the blessed hope before us is that the kingdom is going to fully come. It's coming with greater measure. Every time we worship God together, every time we come to the table of the Lord, every time we share our faith, every time we choose the fruit of the spirit instead of what we prefer, every time we show his love and compassion, every time we reflect who God is, and the best parts of us reflect him. We are stepping into the kingdom of God with him. Since the moment of this announcement in Isaiah 61, the good news has been preached to all people. Here on the fourth Sunday of Epiphany, we celebrate that the good news is for all mankind, not just for Abraham's blood descendants, the Jews, though we love the Jews with all our hearts. It's for them and those of us who are Gentiles. Since that time, freedom has been declared to the captives. Since that time, recovery of sight has been declared to those who are spiritually blind. Since that time, freedom has been spoken to those who are oppressed. Since that time, the favor of the Lord is upon us. We love scripture because Jesus loves scripture. We love scripture because Jesus fulfilled scripture. We love scripture because it's the word of God and we love the word of God because the word of God God is Jesus, and that's what we stand on today. I want to invite you to stand with me if you're able to right now. Father, we thank you, Lord, for the power of this scripture today, the power of the story, the declaration of God. We thank you, Jesus, that you honor scripture. Lord, we're people who honor scripture because we honor Jesus. We don't honor a book. We honor the God who spoke through the book. We thank you, Lord, that all scripture points to you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that all scripture shows the greatness and power of who you are. And so, Father, I pray that today, Lord, that, Lord, we would be stirred, even as we were stirred by the song Aubrey taught us today, even as we were stirred by this worship time, Lord, I thank you that we're people who know Jesus, a Jesus that honors scriptures. And we thank you, Lord, that just as he revealed himself in that synagogue in Nazareth, he's revealed himself here in this church building in Hendersonville. He's revealing himself on the screens people are watching right now. He's revealing himself and he's saying, I am the one. He's saying, I am the fulfillment. I am everything you need. I am the one who sets free the captives. I am the one who opens the eyes of the blind. I am the one who's declaring God's favor is over you. You are not under the curse of sin. You're not under the curse of the enemy. You are not under the bondage of the evil one. You, because of Jesus and what he has done, you are free. You are free to walk in holiness. You are free to walk in freedom. Everything that you need, Jesus has done for you. He's purchased for you. So Jesus, we look to you as our all sufficient God. You are great and greatly to be praised. And we love you this day.